Today's episode is sponsored by Jonas Paul Eyewear. Stylish kids' glasses with an impact. Mercedes, I know you know about style and your babies are the coolest. You know it. So tell us how cute these glasses are. Okay, listen. It's so hard to find on-trend glasses for kids, and these are the cutest glasses I've seen. Yes. And have you ever used a home try-on kit for glasses? No, but it sounds super fun, and I feel like your kids get to play dress-up. We have Jonas Paul glasses, and this past year, Brooksie, my eight-year-old, needed glasses, so we got a home try-on kit from Jonas Paul. Brooksie loves looking good. He actually legit wore a bow tie all on his own for picture day. Having a kit at home was perfect for him. They sent us seven frames and he had a week to walk around in them and make his own opinion. And it was really nice to not have that quick, we have 10 minutes in a store and there's fluorescent lights and we need to decide feeling. When he picked his frame, We put our order in online and we shipped the box of trial glasses back with the free shipping label provided. Super easy. So you have Jonas Paul glasses at your house and you know what? So does Heather. Yeah, that's right. Mason has them. She's worn Jonas Paul glasses for a couple of years now. We all know that getting glasses to fit on our kids with Down syndrome can be difficult. There's a flatter nose bridge that our kids have and lower set ears, and that can make getting glasses to fit a challenge. Here's the thing about Jonas Paul. Their nose pads are designed specifically for children's noses. They also have these unique adjustable tips that you can bend for a custom fit. So you can make it fit to your child's perfect little face. These glasses are so affordable, half the price of most of the children's glasses out there. Plus, here's the best part, every frame sold prevents childhood blindness in the developing world. It's so great. You know that Jonas Paul now sells glasses for teenagers and our kids are growing up. They're growing up fast and we are gonna need those teenager sizes before we know it. For first time customers, Jonas Paul is offering 15% off. Use the promo code THELUCKYFEW at checkout. Visit their website, jonaspauleyewear.com, to learn more. Hey, parents. Let's face it. No one wants to think about or plan for the future. It can feel overwhelming and scary. Plus, there are so many other pressing responsibilities consuming our time. But... When we do put in the time and effort to plan, we feel more at peace knowing that we're prepared for whatever life throws our way. Enable Special Needs Planning offers a unique approach to planning that focuses on enabling your child to live a happy and fulfilled life today and every day in the future. Let their team show you how creating a plan for your entire family's success can provide you with the peace of mind you've been seeking. For our listeners, Enable is offering a 10% discount off their planning services. Just mention the Lucky Few podcast when you reach out to them. Hey friends, welcome to episode 58 of the Lucky Few podcast, where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with Down syndrome. This is Mercedes and Heather and our sweet Micah is not feeling that great. So we are sending out our love to her. Today, I'm so excited to share a very special interview I did with Kelly Kaufman, a fellow mother of a child with Down syndrome. It's Black History Month, and in honor of that, Kelly and I sat down and talked all about what advocacy means to us and our families. Thank you for joining us, and welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast.
right, Mercedes. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Happy last week of February. It's February. How's this month been? Any? Oh, it's been good. Yeah. Good news, bad news. What's good up? Good news, bad news. Um, <laughs> I can't think of any bad news, which is always good news. Yes. <laughs> and um, for me, Black History Month always, or not always, since last year and this year, year has made me more intentional about learning about my black history yes, and reading more. And um, I don't know, just taking the time to intentionally be in the know of what's happening in my black culture. Also, there's tons of stuff happening right now mm-hmm. in the news and um, just history being made. And I feel like every year um, I just want to be not only an advocate for my daughter who has Down syndrome, but for my boys who also share in having black heritage. Yeah. So educating myself. Yeah. I like on this month on social media, there's so much learning that can be done. And I would even just say caution to anyone who's like, I haven't seen anything on social media. Then you're not following the right accounts (laughs) (laughs) or not the wrong or right. You're not following accounts. That would be educational for you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> about Black History. Right. And do that. Follow those accounts. Go and go to the hashtag Black History Month and then see what you see and start following along because there's so much to learn. Um, it's I feel like it's a heavy month. It like it feels heavy and celebratory. And I'm seeing this as a white person. So right. I hold it differently. I am raising a daughter who is black. Mm-hmm. And so also a layer there. But um I love this conversation that you had with Kelly because there is this, there's different layers with having a child with a disability Mm -hmm. and being a person of color. Right. Um, And so for this month specifically, just you guys having a conversation about what it means to be black and to raise a child with a disability. And I, um, I find that both groups so different races outside of the white race mm-hmm. we're being real honest the united states and most of the world um but we'll just stick to the united states find themselves in the margins and then people with disabilities find themselves in the margins so mm-hmm. there's that similarity but it's also so different mm-hmm. and then you layer it <laughs> i and you know what i think i because i um chose down syndrome because i'm in a um, mixed race relationship. Our family is just super diverse. So I just always kind of diversity. I'm used to it, but in being used to it, I think I almost never acknowledged it. And I think Mm -hmm. I'm coming, advocating for sunflower has helped develop in me this desire to advocate for my sons as well in looking at that they are, mixed race Mm -hmm. so their worldview how even they're going to see themselves i feel like they're gonna go through a time of being like you know well where do i land you Mm -hmm. know i'm not really black enough filipino enough proving enough. i feel like it just stirred in me this thing where i'm like where my blinders were taken off where i'm like there's so many aspects to us right now and there's so much to just talking to my boys about diversity and talking to sunflower I don't know it was just it for me I have thought wow having a child with down syndrome has been truly a blessing and almost easier to advocate for than 
um, the race aspect. Oh, wow. You know, and yeah. how personal and how touchy it actually feels to talk about racism mm -hmm. and race. So I don't know if any other families could feel that way who are black or, um, I don't know, any woman of color, any man of color, a family of color, <laughs> like right. if that could feel the same. But I think advocating for Sunflower has helped give me a voice in that space. And I really had my eyes, especially in talking to Kelly and the awesome organization that she was a part of starting within the DSDN of um, making space for people with Down syndrome, but also families who are not white families mm -hmm. to come and join the conversation in a louder way on platforms. Yeah. Because it's still very much needed. Yeah. And it, I mean, you talk about this in the interview, which we'll get to in just a second, but even that idea of we know at raising kids with Down syndrome, when you're around other people who have kids with Down syndrome, it's that like, oh, I get you. Yeah. And to know that that's the same for black families, like to right. be into walk up to a black family, there's a shared commonality and understanding of the world and how the world receives you. Right. And that it's like, oh, wait, you're my people. And so to carve out that space is important right. for black families in the Down syndrome community is important. It is. And I think desiring commonality is okay. Mm -hmm. Like I, I do wish it was mixed up a bit, you know, like mm -hmm. I think we just have to come, we've just got to do so much more work about like really having a space that feels like everybody really is included mm -hmm. and feel like, wow, I'm walking into a space where I see a ton of white people, a ton of black people, a ton of Korean people, Japanese people, yeah. Indian people. Like it just feels still like we're really having to work hard for that. And even in the Down syndrome community, mm -hmm. we're still working hard to um, show up and have diversity there and doing it well and making everyone truly feel welcomed. Yeah, I know. I wonder like it and maybe I'm not hearing you right, but I think an ideal perfect scenario is all all different kinds of people represented fairly in a space. Right. But because we're so far from that, and I don't know that we'll ever get there um, because there's just too, it's too nuanced. There's too many layers. There's too much history, mm -hmm. you know, uh, there's too much brokenness mm -hmm. in the world and in humanity. And because of that, the importance of while you're striving for that space for yourself and your kids, you being we, all of us, the collective, also being okay with the separate mm -hmm. you know like to have a carved out space in a separate space doesn't mean that we're not about an inclusive space mm -hmm. it's because we live in this broken world and we live in all this brokenness that people need to be able to go and be with their people i mean i feel like that as in the down syndrome community you know like it's so important to yeah. be with people and even as an adoptive mom like there are conversations i have with adoptive parents mm -hmm. that are very different than with parents who have never adopted mm-hmm and to be able to have that separate space mm -hmm. while striving for diversity and inclusion. Exactly. I think it's a both and, but let's listen in. So enjoy this conversation between Mercedes and Kelly. Okay. I am so excited to be sitting down with you and Kelly, can you welcome to the lucky few pod? 
(laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yes. Um, So it's Black History Month, and I love this month, especially because being a woman of color, my dad's black. This is just an important month, and I'm so glad that our nation takes time to acknowledge all of the people who came before us to give us a voice and a freedom. And I'm so happy to be speaking with you um, and talking about being a person of color also with a child with a different ability (laughs) and um, just bringing awareness to, I guess, us mamas who are raising a child with a different ability who is also black and um, what that means. Now, it's interesting for me because I have Sunflower, who is blonde, blue mm-hmm. eyed, <laughs> and so fair that she's a little bit pink. <laughs> I'm not yeah. even kidding you. So I come into this conversation with a different experience in that way. But my boys, I think about my three boys and what that means for them um, growing up in this world and being mm-hmm. a person of color. So, um, I don't know. I just think we could have an interesting conversation about this. Yes. <laughs> and I'm yeah. excited. Kelly, will you introduce yourself and introduce your family? Um, yeah, let's start there. Okay. Um, I am Kelly. I am married to my husband, Travis. He recently retired from the United States Army. So we transitioned back here in Indiana. We have four children. I have a bonus daughter named Ava. She's 15. Then I have Ryan, who is 13, a girl. And then we have Cree and Knox, both boys. Cree is my little one with Down syndrome, and he just turned five on Sunday, and Knox is three. So we have probably been in Indiana for about three months now. We're still adjusting. As you can imagine, it's mm-hmm. kind of hectic, you know, especially especially trying to get all the medical things oh my figured goodness. out in a whole new state, right. school, just adjusting to a new neighborhood, a new mm-hmm. home layout. It's busy over here. Right. Oh, my goodness. And can you talk about that, um, about your husband? I mean, he's been in the U.S. Army. That's like a whole thing in itself. What, can you yeah. talk about that? And um how that's been with Cree and then now moving out of that. Um, yeah. yeah, your whole family and adjusting to that new change. Um, so when I first had Cree, we were living in Indiana. We had been here for almost three years in Indiana. And then my husband decided that he was going to join the military. Mm-hmm. So we moved to Virginia, Fort Lee, Virginia. And um, Cree was about maybe like six months when we moved to Virginia. It was such a trying time because when we left Indiana, um, we knew that Cree was going to need to have a heart surgery for his AV canal. So we had all these plans to have this surgery, all the doctors lined up in Indiana, but we found out we had to move to Virginia a little earlier. So that was a transition getting with a whole new medical team there. Um, but it was very successful. Um, we had amazing doctors that we were able to work with. Um, and it was a smooth transition. I love the army life. I am Mm -hmm. so sad that we are 
away from that community because, I mean, I met some of the most amazing women and families there. Um, when Cree had surgeries, um, to me having knocks there as well, it was just a community that I just can't even explain. Wow. We're all there for each other. And it's just something so different about we lived on base. So okay. everyone that lived there, you know, is You're like your own Yes, town, our own, own little family, yes. own community. We have our own grocery store, our own gas stations, our wow. own little fun things to do. It was just so close. Like all the neighborhoods were just amazing. You know, it's mm -hmm. just a gathering of people all the time with, you know, many things in common, but yet so different as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm missing that being yeah. here in Indiana, but I have been trying to find um, a great group of ladies um, through my church and through yeah. various Down syndrome organizations. Right. But um, being in the military and Cree having special needs has been awesome. There are, there are so many resources um, to get connected with in the military that helps you kind of like transition through everything. So I wouldn't say that was hard. And then, you know, we have like some of the best insurance. So right. I feel like we were really blessed with my right. husband um, joining the military. It was, it just was like everything was perfectly timed. Mm -hmm. Especially yeah. for those first years. Cause oh, yeah. I feel like that's when you're like, okay, mm -hmm. this diagnosis, early intervention, heart yeah. stuff. Like it's all, I don't yes. know. The first years are pivotal. So oh, I'm sure. so happy you have that. That's like yeah. amazing. Now yeah. for Indiana, is that where you grew up? How, how come you've chosen to go back there? Um, so my husband works for his family's company here in Indiana. So it was a no brainer that yeah. when he left the military, we would just come right back here. But he started here in Indiana because he was working for his family's company then as well. So he just okay. wanted to return right. something more familiar. Yes. And then it was awesome because although Cree was very young when we first moved here, we had established a great community. I was working in one of the local school districts, so I had an amazing group of friends that was with me throughout my pregnancy and the diagnosis. And then, you know, Travis's work family as well. And then the local Down syndrome community that we had formed it was awesome as well. That's amazing. And I saw, because um, I follow you on Instagram, uh -huh. <laughs> that you're already, I, I forget which post it was, or maybe it was your stories that, yeah, you are a go-getter and you've already put yourself out there and you were like at a gathering, yes. already setting up stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. That. We moved here on a Friday and then on Monday I was already going to um, a mom's night out that with was other moms it. that have kids with Down syndrome. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I need my people, you know? Right. Did you just put it out there on Facebook or how did you get that? Um, I am in the local Facebook group for um, some moms that all have kids with Down syndrome and they host a monthly moms meetup. So oh I just told them, I was like, well, I just got here and I'm coming and, and I'm coming. Yep. And they welcome me with open arms. It's been awesome. Oh, I love mm -hmm. that. Yeah. This community, the Down syndrome community is so beautiful. I love it all is. the moms. It's gorgeous. It, it really is. Which brings me to, um, the very special group that you did you start well you can tell me that okay. i think you started within the dsdn yeah because i went to the dsdn for the first time two years ago 
Mm-hmm. And then this past summer, or I guess not summer, this past fall at this DSCN, I was introduced to a new group. And could you tell me the backstory and tell me all about that? Yeah. So I would say maybe like a year and a half ago, a group of um, Black moms got together. Um, We were just chatting. Like, wouldn't it be so nice to have some type of reunion of some sort? We weren't even thinking of just like a group yet, but we wanted to host like an annual reunion. And that is how the planning was going. And we had met a couple of times. We had our own little chat group and um, strategized about how we would fundraise and Um, reach out to local companies in our areas to, you know, sponsor us. And then I'm not quite sure how, but I think a mom posted about it. And Jen Jacobs, who is the Mm -hmm. executive director for the DSDN, saw it and they talked and we all got in conversation together about it. And Jen and um, the Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network was already trying to come up with a Black family initiative. So it was just awesome that Divine. we could just join together, <laughs> yes. you know, and yes, it, it was just so smooth of a process. We talked to them. They were on board with helping us out however we needed and everything just aligned so well. So we got together, we officially launched it about a little over a year ago, maybe like 14 months now we have almost 480 members and it ranges from all ages um there are moms in the group that are pregnant and there are moms who have kids about 18 i think is our oldest right now but it is just a wide range of ages and it's awesome it is for some people their primary source of support and then for some others it's just an additional layer of support Right. And what do you mean by their primary support? Like they just, they're not involved in their local or they don't even have that opportunity in where they're at? Yes. A lot of our moms um, report that they don't get as much um, access to be able to attend some of their local organizations or it just doesn't kind of work out with their schedule or for whatever reason, they don't have a close of a bond with some of the um, families that are in the local organization. For some, there is no local organization or it's too far from their home. Um, And then for some, they just choose to join our group Mm -hmm. as a way of, um, you know, gaining more information and sharing Mm -hmm. experiences with people that oftentimes have the same experience as them. You know, being a families of color, you know, there are some unique experiences mm-hmm. that we go through um, when it comes to medical side, when it comes to our genetics, when it just comes to communication. There are right. so many different variants. And um, we just always say that we are just like a layer of support. So, mm-hmm. you know, I encourage everybody to ask their questions, to share their journeys, because, you know, we're all learning. And a lot of people talk about how when they first receive the diagnosis, they rush out to the Internet trying yeah. to find a child that will look like their child. And right. oftentimes you will not find it. 
-hmm. You can search some of the most popular um, Down syndrome groups, but you just don't see a lot of representation from moms speaking out, sharing mm -hmm. their journeys, sharing pictures. So we thought this would be one localized place where families could come and do that. Right. And many of them have shared, you know, since joining the group that they just feel so inspired. They feel mm -hmm. an urge of advocacy. They feel like they can speak up for themselves to medical teams. Mm -hmm. And just being within the DSDN network, you know, DSDN has about a little over 50 subgroups. So once we connect them in our group, we're also able to open up all the groups to them so that they can right. be in groups for maybe um, if their child has vision problems or if their right. child has cardiology problems, you know, issues going on. It's something for everyone. So it's just a layer of support that we offer. And you mentioned that, um, like, ch like Googling or, um, trying to find a child that looks like yours or a mom that's experiencing your same experience mm -hmm. like yours on the internet is not there. Do you mean specifically a person of color, like a mom, yes. a black mom raising a black child Yes, that has Down syndrome? And I've noticed that too. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, especially... Being um, in the advocacy space, such as yourself, of like, okay, I want to gather people. Mm -hmm. I want um, moms. I want families to feel welcomed. In doing that, I would look for like, okay, I want to repost a mom. I want to repost a kiddo. Uh -huh. I really want to repost a person yeah. of color. So yeah. I would go on the hashtags. And it'd be like, scroll a hundred, maybe find one. <laughs> yeah. And even yes. within my friend group, yeah, I am maybe I am I am that <laughs> the yeah. person of yeah. color within my yeah. friend group. Um, and I just I wonder why. And I wanted to talk about with you maybe why that could be, and you can shed some light even into me because I I grew up in Orange County. Mm -hmm. Um, I was maybe, yeah, there's two of us in my graduating class of uh, 500 that, um, were black mm -hmm. and I'm half black, half Peruvian. Okay. And, um, just usually I am used to being the black face in white spaces. Yes. Okay. So that's, I'm used to that. And ironically, when we went to adopt. And my husband's half white, half Filipino. When we went to adopt, we were like, okay, the pool of adoption is multicultural. We're probably going to fit the mold of one of those. I did not see a blonde girl in my future. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh my goodness, Lord, always with the blondies in my life. And yeah. Sunflower is that. And at times I felt like I am not equipped to raise a child with Down syndrome. And then I was like, wait, I am a woman of color. I'm used to adversity. I am used <laughs> to having to speak up for myself and I can do that for Sunflower and I, I am fit to raise her. Anyways, yeah. I digress. But I wanted to bring light to the fact that in even within social media, representation is still not there. And I wanted to ask you why you think that is. What have mom said within your group or um, yeah, just help continue that conversation. Help me with your thoughts and what you have found. Um, many moms have said that they just don't feel the same level of support. 
Um, they say that when they put themselves out there, no one really responds, especially via social media. They ask a question and no one responds. But in addition to that, they just don't even feel that anyone other than a black mom or dad um, can walk in their shoes or even understand their perspective. They said that they have asked questions before and then people throw it up in their face and say, well, why do you have to bring race into it? Right. And honestly, race sometimes is very important because there are varying disparities amongst our communities. Right. So it's, you know, having a place to come, a safe space to come and ask your question without someone invalidating your question is what a lot of people are seeking out. Mm -hmm. um, and for some, it just kind of, once they get that brush off, you know, from other communities, they kind of back away and they just put a wall up, you know? Right, right. Um, we have talked, you know, in our group about taking that wall down, you know? Um, right. At the um, mom retreat that you were talking about, mm -hmm. we had a little Black families luncheon and our speaker you know, even encouraged us to go into those spaces because I, like you, have friends of all races, but mm -hmm. many a times I am the only black one too. Mm -hmm. But I felt like I need to put myself out there. You know, I need to attend as many things that I can attend. I want to put Cree out there. I don't mm -hmm. want to just put up a wall because you know what? I need support from various layers, um, not only from my black community, but you know what? Sometimes in those other communities, they may not want me there, but I'm there and I'm right. getting the same information, you know? Yeah. Um, but back to the retreat, she encouraged us to like be in those spaces, get in those spaces, because if you just continuously take yourself out of that, you'll be limiting, you know, the information you receive. Right. Um, you know, the activities that your child can participate in just also right. from bad experiences you've had in the past. So, right. you know, I always encourage, you know, post here, post there, post everywhere. You know, I love right. seeing so many moms um, create a little page for their kid for us to follow because I literally have had people write me and say, you know what, Kelly, I loved scrolling through your Facebook page that you have for Cree mm -hmm. and seeing, you know, that everything is going to be okay. And that yeah. I may go through this, but there's people out there, you know, that will support me. There are people out there that will help me, that will guide me, give me the information that I need. And because of you, I've even had people say, you know, I decided to keep my child with Down syndrome. That's and that so really beautiful. means a lot to me. Yes. I was so shocked, you know, because sometimes like we talked earlier, keeping up with Facebook and Instagram is a lot. Um, but when I get those messages like, Kelly, keep sharing, you know, I needed to see this, you know, I'm pregnant right now. I'm actually talking with a girl in my inbox right now on Facebook because she received um, some information that she may have a child with Down syndrome, maybe pregnant with a child with Down syndrome. And she, you know, to express, like, I found you because I found um, Cree's page on Facebook mm -hmm. and I found some pictures on Instagram. So like, you know, just putting ourselves out there in those spaces, even though it may be uncomfortable, you know, we have to advocate, you know, that's 100%. just what it is. And I feel like we're still in a position in our advocacy to, um, like you, you said, keep showing up to the spaces. And even yes. when I talk with Heather, Heather Avis is always yeah. talking about keep showing up, keep showing up. There is an extra layer 
when you're a person of color to keep showing up. Yes. And to squeeze yourself in. And uh-huh. intentionally, so I've also been a part of something that was like, okay, we want to intentionally make a slot and seek out someone who isn't white on purpose. Yes. And um, I've had people be like, well, isn't that offensive in itself? Uh-huh. They like, hey, I'm leaving a slot open for this. Yeah. And I thought in my mind, no, because it's so easy to fill up the whole, there's a whole pool full of, um, uh, I don't know if this is offensive, but I'm going to say it, white advocates. They're, it's just uh-huh. really big. Yeah. There's a lot to choose from. Yes. But if I seek out and try and find out just even through just social media, just the internet, word of mouth, there's very few uh-huh. people of it's color true. that are outspoken and that are speaking up as advocates and that are showing up and say like, yeah, I'll speak to an audience. Like there's just like a handful. So I think it is important to be like, no, I am leaving a spot on the stage for a person of color. Would that offend you to know that an organization or that a conference is doing that? Or does that make you feel like, okay, I'm being seen, I'm being heard. They're seeing that there is still a need, like, does that offend you at all? Or that does not offend me. Um, personally, it just does not. I feel like some people look at it as if they're just checking a box, but you know, I feel like it's up to you. If you wanted me on your board or in your organization or for me to speak, you may have checked the box, but I'm going to bring it, you know, whatever. (laughs) So you checked your box off and that may be what it is for you, but behind closed doors, like for instance, with DSDN, I am on the board and I am the only black female or black person on the board, but Hey, we're making ways. And yes. when we have um, conversations, things come up. Now, and the great thing I would say is things that you would think I, a black person may just bring up. There are people on the board of all colors that are speaking up on behalf of minority groups too, especially with, within DSDN. So I am proud to say that. But at the same time, if you want to just check off a box, it's up to us to go sit on that board, go attend that conference, right. go talk to those people right. and get real with them, you know? Right. And hey, they invited you. So I take it as a compliment. I do too. And sometimes I, I like to stand out. So I'm like, hello. <laughs> yeah, me too. You know, my husband says to me all the time, like, you want to do everything. And I don't really think of it half the time. Like if someone asks me to do something, I'm like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. But I feel like I want to like position myself that way so that I can bring other people on board too. You know, it's not just about me. It's about showing my kid or just using my voice to say, Hey, you guys are about to do a new ad campaign. I have four kids that you should use, you know, where before they may not have been selected as at all, or, you know, or even brought, to the forefront. So, and then you wonder, yeah. And then you wonder, did they know that they had any options? Like, are they, are we showing up and also like, um, making our self available so that, um, we're even an option. You know what I mean? Cause I do feel like too, with like social media, And I was really trying to dive deep and ask my husband about this of like, okay, I'm on Instagram. I'm also a stay at home mom. Like I get to be a stay at home mom. Um, And we have made certain sacrifices so I can do that. And I wonder 
um, demographically too, if moms of color, if black moms have that same opportunity, like, can they even show up fairly in those spaces because they are, they're actually working. They can't be on their phone scrolling. They can't show off their house. Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, tri- yeah. it sound it may sound trivial, but I'm like, no, that's maybe a big reason why they're not on social media. I don't know. I mean, that can definitely play a factor. I can definitely see that. Um, I personally don't know many black moms that stay home. Um, but I have seen it come up. I have seen moms say that, well, I can't stay home. You know, I have to work. So they share their journey and their perspective and it's hard for them. You know, just having a child that has different abilities, mm-hmm. the appointments that they have to go to. Can, <laughs> I always say, I don't understand how they do it. You know, like I've been staying home for five years now and Cree is in a half day preschool right now, but it's just so much work even staying at home that I know that moms that are working are having, you know, the same kind of struggles that I am as well. You know, we just all have our own struggles, but we get things done. Um, But I agree with you on that. I think that is definitely a dynamic that plays a role. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, we know that in the black community that there are a lot of disparities and there are some financial disparities sometimes Mm -hmm. too. So there's so many different layers um, that go into it. And trust me, I've heard a lot. Um, And although, you know, I'll say sometimes like I may not have experienced the same thing as another woman, but I feel like when they're sharing their stories with me, like that's giving or giving me permission to share their stories with other people to say, this is happening. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I to validate their stories in the end, because it's real out there. It's real (laughs) out there. And I, I know you mentioned like, oh, why do you have to bring race into it? And that kind of puts up a wall because then you're like, I don't want to be knocking down people's door being like, no, that is a factor. I'm not just making it up. I'm not just trying to start something. It is a factor. And have you felt that or experienced that with Cree at all? Like the factor of race or felt like he ever has been mistreated or not offered something? Or um, have you heard of other moms who have felt like because of the color of their child's skin, they weren't allowed to do something or offered or um, yeah, within the group, have you heard of this? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, For me, not so much, but some little small things, you know, that I, and I don't even know, I should say that they're small, but compared to other stories that I have heard, um, you know, personally, I have had doctors, you know, be very surprised that Cree is active in his Down syndrome community or that I'm active in the Down syndrome Mm -hmm. community. Like, they'll say like, oh, you know about that? Or, oh, well, and then they try to get a little personal. Well, how did you know? And who did you find about out about this program from? And, you know, hmm. it's just, it's just very weird the right. way that they said it, you know, it's just to insinuate that I should not know that information, you know? Right. Um, yeah. They'll say things like, um, 
we don't usually see a lot of black families here. Mm. And, like I went to a clinic the other day and they were like, oh, we don't usually see a lot of black kids. I do recall that when Cree was younger, I want to say we went in, I can't remember what we went in for, but so many of the hospital staff came around to see Cree and people actually said <laughs> like, we've never seen a black kid with Down syndrome. So we just wanted to come in here and see him. You know, it's like he's a spectacle. Like he's a show. You know? <laughs> yes. That's wild. Oh my gosh. Um, I've had, this kind of bounces off of the question we talked about earlier of kind of just being a check mark. But I've had people ask me like, can I use Creed's picture for this? Or can oh, okay. I use Creed's picture for that? And in the beginning, I was just like, Okay, that is kind of weird. Mm -hmm. But now I just kind of have a different perspective, um, depending on who it is. Like, sure, go ahead and use it. Because you know what, I would rather have my child be the one black child on your advertisement than you just right. to have no one. So right. sure, go ahead and use it, you know. Yeah. But they're just so those are the kind of things I've experienced. But I've had um, families talk about how their diagnosis was presented to them. Um, even though I know this is something that a lot of people in the Down syndrome community um, hear, but a lot of our moms tell us that, you know, they are talked to in a rude way. Mm -hmm. They are just, you know, specifically told, you know, that they should just have an abortion and that, you know, it's really no need for you to, keep your child when, like I said, there's so many disparities. Um, looking at the numbers, you know, yeah, I don't think that most people would get that same conversation delivered in the same way. And actually, I got an opportunity to sit down and talk with some um, residents, and they were from all over the, the United States. Mm -hmm. And specifically, two Black female residents that I spoke with told us that they work in a facility where it's mostly a minorities, women okay. that come in, and that they hear the diagnosis delivered in such a horrible way that they know that these doctors wouldn't do in any other community, um, right. that certain testing is not even offered to them, certain information is not even given to them, yeah. they just kind of brush them off. And that is something that some of the moms have told us about. They're like, well, how come I didn't get a visit from so-and-so in the hospital with right. this basket of information. Right. Um, it's prevalent and it's out there. And that's one of the reasons I really like DSDN because they are really trying to ensure that families receive an unbiased, factual um, Down syndrome diagnosis experience, just the mm -hmm. whole thing. So it's really important to me um, so here and there on our Facebook page, we try to like gather some data, get some conversations going so that when we are visiting and having conversations with medical teams that we can report back. This is what our families are saying. So how can you help us change this? Right. Yeah. People know when they're being treated less than. So yeah. like you said, like your doctors would be shocked. Like, oh, you know about that information? Like um, already assuming that you aren't capable of finding the connections that you need for your son. Like maybe that you don't have the resources or the knowledge. Mm -hmm. 
to find this out. And you're like, no, I show up. I know how to use a computer. I have a computer. I have a phone. I can find out. I'm in the groups. (laughs) Yes, I'm informed. And I feel like I can totally get that of um, doctors, nurses, assuming that you're not informed, that you're not educated. And I've had that experience myself even um, because they have maybe not seen sunflower yet, but they just see me and um, making those judgments. Now I will say that sunflower and I've seen it because I have grown up a person of color. I've seen her blondness and her skin tone and her beauty work in her favor. And I'm all like, girl, you go get that because you yeah. I am for you and I am your mom. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, you I understand it. It. yeah. But, um, I have seen it and I'm like, wow, like golly, that's awesome. But then that's also very sad. Like, I don't love that. And, um, I have seen that and I, and I'm thankful for it for her, but I've also been like made aware of like, would she, be so invited? Would it, she be so easygoing if maybe she was male and also black and also yeah. have Down syndrome? Yes. Because even yeah. statistically in our area, um, and I, I'm thinking of this mostly for my boys because mm-hmm. I was starting to think of putting them in school. We actually homeschool right now. My boys will go in traditional school. Um, Rhodes will be in kindergarten next fall. I'm still kind of up in the air about Sunflower. I'm still, uh-huh. I don't know. I'm not a saint. I don't want them all home. I'm just, uh-huh. and I'm not trying to parent in fear. I just don't know if traditional school was it's made for sunflower. You know, yes. I don't know. Yeah. I'm taking it oh, year by it. year, maybe semester by semester. I don't know. But for my boys, we're going to try it out. But I do, I run into this fear, like statistically, like um, black boys are kind of targeted Mm-hmm. as being hyper disruptive, oh, yeah. there's already initial something going in and they've only sat down for the first day of school. There's yeah. <laughs> they've done nothing wrong. So I feel that for my boys and I just wonder, do you feel that for Cree? Have other parents talked about that about for their children? Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, before I had Cree, I was a teacher. I taught kindergarten and first grade. And I will tell you that I have seen Teachers Mm -hmm. discriminate against black males. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. I have seen um, a push for a diagnosis of ADD or ADHD or, you know, some type of behavior assessment on a child that is actually behaving just like the other kids, but just simply being targeted because they are black and male. Um, I do think about that a lot with Cree. Um, right now, honestly, I feel like Cree has some great behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, I am thankful for that. Right. <laughs> but I know that a time may come when he may be in a classroom with even more children, and that may be a trigger for him and could change his behavior. Right. Or the teacher that is selected for him in his right. classroom, that could be something. So I'm definitely, definitely... Um, thinking about that right now. And I kind of am like you. I want to take it year by year. Right. right now, he's in an inclusive preschool and I want him there for kindergarten and above. But a part of me sometimes has thought about homeschooling too. And if that would be great for Cree. I'm still trying to fill out his personality totally. because, you know, 
it's, it's just his personality is very different amongst whoever is around him. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of open like that, like you said. Um, but it's definitely on my radar, definitely something that I will continue talking to other moms about. I have heard a lot of moms experience issues once they hit kindergarten that it's already an issue for them to be in the inclusive classroom, but then the teachers are complaining about the behavior. And Mm -hmm. one mom even posted pictures of what her child was doing and went to um, monitor and shared her results from that. And it was just like sitting under a table, like, come on, kindergarten, do that sometimes. Yes. It was like the teacher was just nitpicking on little things. It happens. Um, I would say that's when you have to really get involved. Mm -hmm. School time is no time to just let them choose the way. It's time to get in there, know the staff, know the principal, know all the therapists, and just be open about your expectations for your child and let them know that, you know, I'm here to help you, but you know, I also want to make this great for my child overall and let's work together to do that. So I think if you kind of go in, um, you know, with a plan and Mm -hmm. with some support, you probably would have a better chance, you know, and that is one thing that we are trying to do, like educate people in our Mm -hmm. group. We have so many awesome ideas planned coming up, but you know, just educating on educating people that, you know, you can bring someone in with you to your IEP meeting or just to even have a conference with yes. your teacher. There are people out there and it's not just about staying online within right. this little group. We want right. to support you and um, match you up with people that are locally as well. Right. I love that. And how do you think um, we can help like, okay, so this is a new group and I feel like possibly because it's the only group I've heard of, but I'm not the end all be all of anything. So maybe there's more groups out there, but I haven't heard of any specific black families group for down syndrome. And, um, I feel like this is new and it's needed. And how can our community as a whole come alongside you? Like you said that you're talking about, like you can have people come with you to your IEP meetings. Like what kind of things can we support and do, um, to help black families feel like they're included and they're wanted and they have a voice in this community and they're supported. Um, or is that too broad? (laughs) No, I think the number one thing is to be intentional. Like if you want to help our black families, you have to go and seek them. Don't wait for them to come to you. Think of an initiative, go where they go. If you, Um, see that your local buddy walk, you see a lot of black families there at that one big event, but maybe you don't see them out through the year. Maybe pull pull them aside, talk to them, you know, inform them about what's going on in their community. Ask them, what's the best way to communicate with you? Because maybe it's not social media. Maybe it's, I need a text message or maybe I need an email, you know, how free, you know, find out how frequent, I just think you have to be intentional about everything. Come up with a list of people. Um, you know, make those accommodations. Maybe this group of people want to be texted. Maybe this group wants to be added on social media. I feel like you have to go out of your way. Like I want to see more organizations going out of their way, which is not really going out of their way, but just being (laughs) intentional, you know, about, I was talking to, um, a group of other people that volunteer with DSD and two, and we were just saying, 
you know, about our social media, you know, like you brought it up earlier for every hundred white people, you would only see two black people. I want all organizations just to be more intentional about what you're putting out there because there are moms that are receiving a new diagnosis and they want to see someone who's going to look like their kid. You know, they want to see a mother that looks like them or a father that looks like them or just a family in general that looks like them. And it's not just for the black families. It's the Latina family, um, you know, there's LGBTQ families, Asian families. I mean, it's everywhere. People want to feel accepted. They want to know that if I come to you, that you're going to, you know, I'm welcome too. you know? Yeah. Welcome. So I would say definitely just be intentional in all you do. Go out of your way if that's what you want to call it. Um, And I honestly feel like if you're an organization or a company, like getting some kind of diversity training, getting a diversity Mm -hmm. specialist into your space um, would help as well. But just to my local, or not my local, just to my moms that have kids with Down syndrome, if you do not have... Um, a friend or know anyone that's black with um, a child with Down syndrome, reach out. You know, mm-hmm. if you see a new mom, don't be afraid to talk to her. You know, mm-hmm. invite her in. We're all in the same community. We don't mm-hmm. want to be separated or segregated or no. whatever. But although we know there are some disparities, we just all want support. You know, yeah. so wrap your hands around another mom, bring her in. And even if it's like, hey, let me connect you with Kelly, you know, like right. you can just do that, but right. <laughs> reach out. I we all that. have to reach out, dig in, be there, be present, be there, be present. I did. Um, I have to tell you a funny story. So at the DSDN this past, um, September, and I heard about the black families, mm-hmm. um, group, <laughs> I did have to ask the girl cause she was helping. We were setting up our lucky few uh-huh. and yes. she's like, Oh, we have a, a new group and it's the black families in there. They're not doing their own conference. I forgot how she explained it, but like all of a sudden I was like, oh, but they're invited yeah. to the whole thing. Right? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> you guys are doing it wrong. No. And it was, no, we're just intentionally creating a space um, for black families. Cause it was needed. Because yes. honestly, even at the first DSDN that I went to two years ago, there was me, there was just not representation. And that's yeah. a whole weekend of 500 people. Again, I was yes. like flashback to my high school years of like <laughs> yeah. one in a sea yeah. and it was sprinkling. I, I, there was one woman there. She is a... Uh, Indian origin and she was like oh I'm so happy to see you she was there again um this time too but she's like oh another woman of color people don't understand you know know. it's just that immediate connection sometimes like I'm not the only one you know it's just but they do understand because they have now they have a child with down syndrome so now they're not just yeah white they're now connected and love a person who's marginalized so they do understand but it's like now how do we make it beyond how do we make that compassion and that understanding beyond the diagnosis but for all people who oh, for sure you know it's another yeah. layer for sure for sure that is a great point excellent point you know um 
so we did have the rock and mom retreat and then within the rock and mom retreat we set aside maybe like two hours for um a black family's luncheon that's what you were referring to and it was so awesome and i just want to put out there that um this group is for black families is how it's labeled but we have moms and dads that are white because we have interracial couples you know so it's not that you have to be a black mom or you have to be a black dad but you know that you just your child is mixed identifies black in some type of way um so (laughs) you definitely people were like oh can i come to that group are you sure they'll write me like hey i'm white but my kid is black or you know can i come (laughs) I'm black, but my daughter's white. (laughs) I'm in. (laughs) This is just like, come on. This is about community. You know, you will go through something that I will go through. Your experience, your journey can impact me. We're just all here to share. We're just all in the community together. But, you know, there's something common that binds us all. And that just happens to be our race for this group. Right. Well, and then I think that the title just is inviting because there was a need to say, hey, this is specifically an invitation to these yeah. families. There was a need yeah. for that. Yes, Because for sure. just like um, I was uh, one time in a conversation where I was like, why is there BET? Why is there only yeah. a black channel? You know, yeah. like, and I'm yeah. like, you could still watch it. Exactly. But there was a need because every other channel is primarily white focused. So there was a need to... make that invitation and start that conversation. And that's what I feel like the same with this group. It's not to disinvite anybody, but it's actually just an invitation to intentionally invite black families and anybody can show up, but we're saying especially the black families. (laughs) This is for you. This is for you. you, Cause that's needed. Well, I am so, um, blessed to have this conversation with you because I don't get to have this conversation often. And I know I could, if I was active on the Facebook group, (laughs) but (laughs) I was saying um, earlier to all our listeners that I'm more Instagram focused um, just because of lack of time and (laughs) mind space. (laughs) But I want to enter the world of Facebook because there's a whole beautiful community there as well. Um, and, um, yeah, I just thank you so much for your knowledge, for your leadership, for your willingness to show up and speak up for so many black families and to create a space for them. And thank you DSDN for seeing a need and for coming alongside you. That's amazing. Cause they have yeah. amazing resources. Jen they Jacobs, do. we've interviewed her here. She's lovely. Mm-hmm. She is amazing. She and is. <laughs> a leader, a wonderful leader in herself. Um, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to close this up because I could talk to you forever <laughs> with so many questions and so yeah. many things I just want to know. But yeah. Um, yeah, is there anything else you would like to share about um, the Black Families group? Um, can people donate specifically to that? Like, how can we find you? How can we help out in that kind of way? Yes. So definitely you can visit the Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network.org page and you'll see all the subgroups. So if you're a family and you want to belong, you can click the link that way or just search us on Facebook. But there also are ways to donate on the website as well if you want to 
your monies to specifically go um, to our group or to something that we are funding, then you can definitely do it that way as well. Just be specific, but be on the lookout because we are going to be um, fundraising. A lot of our families are fundraising for DSDN now mm -hmm. um, and for in the future. So just be on the lookout. Always follow us um, on Facebook and on Instagram or just simply visit the website. Okay. And then on Instagram, are you, what, what's your handle for Instagram for that group? Um, we don't have an Instagram page for that. We just, okay. it's just for DSDN. Just we have in a, general. Um, yes. DSDN, I, we have one on Instagram. Yeah. Okay. The awesome. And, yeah. um, I will have links. I'm going to grab links from you, Kelly, to okay. the, so we can put them on our show notes, um, and have that for our listeners. Awesome. Kelly, Thanks so much. Thank you so Thanks. much. I <laughs> hope to talk to you soon and I yeah, enjoy yeah. following your family on Instagram. Same. Thank you oh. again so much for the opportunity. Oh, have a blessed day, girlfriend. And I'll talk to you, you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey friends, Mercedes and Andy here. We have a fun and special announcement about what's coming up for the Lucky Few podcast in March. Andy, can you share with us what's coming up? Yes. So the show has been added sponsor supported for the past two years, and we've been so grateful for the companies that have partnered and supported the show. Uh, those sponsors have helped pay staff, including myself as one of the producers, producers of the show. Ugh, sorry, guys. And we need this support in order to cover our weekly costs and time to keep it going. Um, that said, we wanted to create opportunities for you, the listener, to participate. So we're excited to announce that in March, we're launching a Patreon account. Yes. So, so exciting. I don't think a lot of people know about Patreon. So, babe, can you tell us more? Yes. So Patreon is an online community platform where we offer you the choice to support the show financially as a patron subscriber for $10, $25, and $100 a month or up to those. In return for that support, not only will you have access to the regular weekly show, but we've created extra perks for you to get based on which tier you choose. That's right. So some of the benefits you'll have access to are a new Facebook community group where we will go live once a week and hang out with you, a video debrief of each show where we will share thoughts and comments not included in the regular episode, the uncut and unedited video recordings of the weekly episode, Heather Yes, that's right. Heather Avis will go live on the Patreon community board and we'll have some merch to offer exclusively for you as a patron and much, much more. And we have special offer for those big heart supporters at $100 a month. If you support the show for $100 a month, you will be titled as an executive producer of the show. What? so cool where you'll be named and credited in each episode and also receive all of the previously mentioned perks whoop, whoop. and the first 25 people to sign up on that level will receive an official the lucky few podcast narrative shifter hoodie that's a lot of exciting stuff 
100. <laughs> uh, yeah, so friends, we're excited to offer you the chance to participate and support on another level. And we really are excited to bring you more content and join us in shifting the narrative. Um, so if you want more information, go to patreon.com and read about it and learn a little bit more. And mark your calendars for March 3rd when we kick off Patreon and you don't want to miss out on the limited spaces on the premium levels. When we kick it off, you'll be able to go to the website and get right to that page. So thank you guys. We're excited. Thank you. All right, Mercedes, Kelly, um, Kelly Kaufman, thanks for being on the show. And thanks for doing that, Mercedes. Thanks for having that conversation and bringing up it's a tricky topic to to bring up with any race is always a hard topic Um, yeah but we definitely knew as a podcast we weren't going to let this month go by and not touch on black history month you know and representing and so i think it i loved um so much of the conversation there's so much to learn and i i really loved your guys is talking about being intentional in a space and versus like a check mark um and it's interesting the Down Syndrome community that I feel like I've easily slipped into. And even the, the Down Syndrome community that I am a leader of, mm-hmm. which is mostly social media space, feels predominantly white. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked about this before mm-hmm. a lot. And so the why is that? I mean, you guys touched on it a little bit and it is so layered. Um, but I think that there is a lack of intentionality with white people raising kids with down syndrome to recognize that, Oh, not only white people have kids with down syndrome, you Mm -hmm. know, like that all different races down syndrome is not biased towards race. Mm -mm. All different races have kids with down syndrome. And if we're advocating for down syndrome, then we need to be advocating for people with down syndrome, not Mm -hmm. just white people with down syndrome. And, and I think that it's time for our community to get intentional. Mm -hmm. And I've gone through the lucky few hashtag and scrolled through. And when I see a child, in a family who is not white, I will follow them. (laughs) And it's not like what you guys talked about with Kelly, you and Kelly talked about like, are you the idea of being intentional versus checking a box? You know, there are so many incredibly talented Mm -hmm. advocates in the black space, you know, in the down syndrome black space. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know that, then you need to find out. And that's where the intention, the intentionality comes. It's hard. It's freaking hard work. It is hard work because it's not, it's not the norm or it's still, I don't know what it is, but it's still social media. Like we just see society play out again in social media and certain people have better opportunities than others. Mm -hmm. And if you're a person of power, you have to use that power to also, um, I don't know, bring and bring in diversity um bring in i don't know what i'm trying to say actually in that, like but making space making space and being okay with that power yeah and not and even asking kelly because i feel the same way i am not offended by someone making space right. for that it does not offend me to be chosen to speak or chosen to be a part of something because I am black, because I am proud of that. Right. It does not offend me. If you're doing it with malintent, then that's on you. Right. But if I still get an opportunity to represent, then that's awesome. And I will take that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that makes total sense. I think it's super important to, for white families in the conversation to, when they are, to intentionally listen to the voices of people of color and then believe them. 
you know, and not dismiss it. I think a lot of race talk, it's like, you know, even Kelly was saying that doctors are saying to her, well, how do you know that's like being surprised by that? Like as Mm -hmm. a white person, it could be like, well, I, they said that to me too. It's like, well, no, no, no. Don't dismiss what people of color are saying, their experiences and that they, that it means something different. Mm -hmm. Um, Listen, like lean in and listen and learn and have a heart of a listener and a learner mm-hmm. and leaning in. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll all be better off. Our community, our downstream community will be better off. Humanity will be better off mm-hmm. when we take the time to listen and learn from people who are so different than us. And mm-hmm. we can only do that if we intentionally make space in our lives for them. So to all you listeners, go right now and find podcasts that are pe- women of color who have a podcast down syndrome or not and listen to their podcasts and go on Instagram and find the accounts and go on Facebook mm-hmm. and go to the DSDN and ask, like just be in the conversation, be a part of the conversation as a listener mm-hmm. and a learner right. and sit back and listen. Um, we can have some links for there's some accounts I follow that have been um, really life altering for me in the conversation mm-hmm. that aren't down syndrome focused, but feel really important so we can link those in our show notes oh that's awesome and then kelly brought up a good point because i asked about this with the black families um group that she's a part of and that she started that anybody is invited there but it was a group that was started so to make sure to intentionally bring black families in yeah but anybody is invited feel free to give to that group as well yes i love that um yeah. Great conversation. Kelly is awesome. Super well-spoken, educated woman Yeah, who's doing awesome things to continually make Down syndrome um, a space where all are included and families feel welcome Yeah, and yeah. taken care of. Thank you to Kelly and thank you, Mercedes, for oh, the work that you. you do and always showing up. <laughs> you, I, oh, real quick. I loved the part of the conversation that you said. Like I'm always talking about showing up, showing up, and that when people of color are showing up, there's an added piece to it. It's harder to Mm, show up. Yes. And just like I want to acknowledge that um, and say thank you for showing up continually, Mercedes and Kelly and all the different people that it is. There is. It requires more. The showing up piece does requires more from you than it does for me. So I recognize that and I applaud you and I'm grateful. Oh, I'm grateful, grateful for you for you, and always scooting over. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> Give me the mic, Heather. No, I'm just okay. <laughs> You're always her. scooting over. No, I love that. I, I love your intentionality. Better. Thanks, girlfriend. Okay, thank you again so much. And before we head out, let's take a minute to hear from our sponsor and uh, this week's Family of the Week. Today's episode is sponsored by Jonas Paul Eyewear. Stylish kids glasses with an impact. Mercedes, I know you know about style and your babies are the coolest. You know it. So tell us how cute these glasses are. Okay, listen, it's so hard to find on-trend glasses for kids and these are the cutest glasses I've seen. Yes, and have you ever used a home try-on kit for glasses? 
No, but it sounds super fun, and I feel like your kids get to play dress-up. We have Jonas Paul glasses, and this past year, Brooksy, my eight-year-old, needed glasses, so we got a home try-on kit from Jonas Paul. Brooksy loves looking good. He actually legit wore a bow tie all on his own for picture day. Having a kit at home was perfect for him. They sent us seven frames and he had a week to walk around in them and make his own opinion. And it was really nice to not have that quick, we have 10 minutes in a store and there's fluorescent lights and we need to decide feeling. When he picked his frame, we put our order in online and we shipped the box of trial glasses back with the free shipping label provided. Super easy. So you have Jonas Paul glasses at your house and you know what? So does Heather. Yeah, that's right. Mason has them. She's worn Jonas Paul glasses for a couple of years now. We all know that getting glasses to fit on our kids with Down syndrome can be difficult. There's a flatter nose bridge that our kids have and lower set ears, and that can make getting glasses to fit a challenge. Here's the thing about Jonas Paul. Their nose pads are designed specifically for children's noses. They also have these unique adjustable tips that you can bend for a custom fit. So you can make it fit to your child's perfect little face. These glasses are so affordable, half the price of most of the children's glasses out there. Plus, here's the best part, every frame sold prevents childhood blindness in the developing world. It's so great. You know that Jonas Paul now sells glasses for teenagers and our kids are growing up. They're growing up fast and we are gonna need those teenager sizes before we know it. For first time customers, Jonas Paul is offering 15% off. Use the promo code THELUCKYFEW at checkout. Visit their website, jonaspauleyewear.com, to learn more. Philip Clark founded Enable Special Needs Planning thanks to the positive impact of his younger sister, Sarah, who has Down syndrome. He began his career in the planning industry, but quickly realized the industry standard of special needs planning only focused on preparing families for what happens when the parents can no longer care for their child. As a proud older brother, he knew this style of planning wasn't good enough, and that his sister and families like his deserved a plan that focused on allowing for a happy and fulfilling life today and every day in the future. Because of Enable's unique approach to planning, the organization now serves families across the country. Their five-step planning system and online planning portal guide families through a comprehensive planning process. The Enable team has taken the guesswork out of planning and made it easy for families to provide their children with every opportunity to live out their full potential. The true benefit of working with Enable is having a team of experts guiding you every step of the way. The Enable planning process will give you peace of mind knowing you're doing everything possible to plan for a great life with your entire family, including your child with special needs. For our listeners, Enable is offering a 10% discount off their planning services. Just mention the Lucky Few podcast when you reach out to them. Hi everyone, my name is Megan and my husband's name is Kyle. We've been married for ten and a half years and we have a daughter adopted from Ethiopia who's seven. 
and full of sass. And our daughter, Violet, is adopted from China, and she's been home for about two and a half years and just turned six. And she is our girl that rocks an extra chromosome. Uh, she is just as full of life and so fun. Her giggles are absolutely contagious, and she can just light up in a room just by walking in it and being herself. Um, we are on the forefront of being narrative shifters at our school, as she is the first child with Down syndrome to go through our building. So she is a mover and a shaker and a world changer already, and we just love encouraging her watching her just flourish and change and um, just change the world. And some good news that we have for Violet is that she is learning to ride a bike. She loves anything gross motor, loves to climb, a lot of things that are not appropriate, but she just is in a, just a thrill seeker. And so I can't wait for this summer. I'm really hopeful and just, I just am confident that she's going to learn how to ride a bike this summer. So. Um, that is our good news. If you want to follow along on our journey, uh, my Instagram handle is M as in Megan. So M Chafee, C-H-A-F-F-E-E. And that is it, M Chafee. So come join us, follow along. And um, all of you gals at the Lucky Few Pod and everyone else who just creates this for us as moms to listen all around the United States and even all over the globe, we are just grateful. We're grateful we have a place to listen and say me too and laugh and cry and just feel encouraged that we can all be narrative shifters all together in the same, just in the same realm and have each other's back. So keep on keeping on. See ya. We love hearing from families and getting to know them. Um, as always, if you have a product or business that wants to help out and help us shout the worth of people with Down syndrome, then we'd love to partner with you. You can email us at hello at theluckyfewpodcast.com for sponsorship opportunities. And a huge thank you to our editor and producer, Andy Lara, our, product, our co-producer, Val Schleter, our sponsor, and all of you who have shared the Lucky View podcast with friends and who have listened faithfully and cheered us on. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember that you, dear listener, supporting your loved one with Down syndrome, you are a shadow of worth and a narrative shifter. So keep on keeping on. We are all cheering for you. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to Lucky Few Podcasts. Remember to review our show on Apple Podcasts and check us out on all social media at the Lucky Few Pod. You can also support the show now via anchor.fm just by going to the website, scroll down to the bottom, and you can begin your support right now. Lastly, send us your good news by going to theluckyfewpodcast.com and sending us a message via text, voicemail, or email. See you next time.